what you've done and what you've put on Nate's heart this week. I thank you, Lord. It's a word for us for now. Um, We just choose to have ears to hear it, Lord. So I just declare that. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, you just come and just flow. May it be easy. May it be easy tonight. May it just flow. Thank you for your presence. Amen. Thanks. I'm going to use this, is that all right? Like a proper preacher and everything. Steady on. So, uh, I was thinking in the worship. Uh, isn't it good to be in the moment? So much of our lives is planned. Uh, the next thing I'm going to do, the, the next thing that's coming up. Uh, and we don't live in the moment enough. You see it all the time. I've been to gigs and concerts where the bands start coming out and everyone's holding up their phone. And it's like, why are you recording this, mate? It's r- happening right in front of you. You're just going to watch a video on a phone later. That isn't gonna, that's not going to have the same effect as being in the moment right now, is it? Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about. So, But I thought, I thought that was worth bringing up, you know, just to lose yourself in worship and... Uh, and live in that place, so... Oh, man, there's not going to be enough space on here. Yeah, so, it's all right, it's all right. It's all right. Big bo- too, too much of a big... It's a big Bible, hang on. Stereo preaching. Come on. That's what I'm talking about. Easy. Oh, I can hide in case it... <laughs> so... Uh, fun, fun, fun. So I'm going to talk about just some things that have been happening with me uh, since kind of uh, August, September time last year. So that would have been when Maya was born, when my second one was born. I'm married. I'm married to Jen, if everyone knows that. I've got two daughters, Alexia, who is nearly three, and Maya, who is probably nearly nine months now. So um, everything I'm going to share is not, uh, necessarily fully formed it's still something I'm going through so give me grace on that it's not going to be a full on you know teaching of amazingness but I'm sure it'll hopefully it'll bless you <laughs> so uh, so we're just going to go to Judges 6 first of all about Gideon here so um, before we read it the background to where to where God starts speaking to Gideon is that the the Midianites have been in their land um, for seven years. By this point, they've dis, dis, displeased God. The Midianites have come in, and uh, it's absolutely terrible because anything it says anything they um, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, goats, cattle and donkeys. He's only been hordes coming with their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts. <clears throat> and they were, they were reduced to starvation by the Midianites. So at this point where we meet Gideon, he is living in a culture of complete fear. They've found their own little hiding places in the mountains and wherever they can find to stay out of the way. Uh, and it's fear and there's nothing new happening because anything new that gets planted or started or sown uh, just gets wiped out. And the nation had kind of forgotten its identity as a nation that had relied on God to take them out of slavery into 
the promise, well, going to go into the promised land. Um, so this is where God comes in and he starts speaking to Gideon. So from verse 12, so uh, Gideon, well, halfway through verse 11, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Okay, we're going to stop there. So, the <clears throat> first thing God comes to him and says uh, to a man who doesn't know his identity, the nation that doesn't know their identity, is he comes and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And the first thing that Gideon does is he takes offence at what he's just said, that the Lord is with me. And he goes, well, effectively he goes, what are you talking about? Have you seen what's going on around here? I'm threshing wheat in a wine press. This is, this is not meant to be where I was threshing wheat. And he completely missed in the, at the beginning that the Lord had called him a mighty hero because he has no idea who he is and he has no idea who God is. Okay, so he misses that call about his identity. But God, God says it because he knows that's what he needs to hear in order for Gideon to be able to step out into what God has for him to do. And I just wanna, I wanted to start here just to say that um, whenever God speaks to you, he will always affirm your identity in him. It's not just that I get the information uh, and I take that and I, and I go and do with it what I will. We have to listen hard to be able to find out he's speaking to me and he's telling me about himself as well. So I just wanted to start there. And just to encourage you, he's made his home in you. Okay? He's made his home in you. Whether you, whether you feel like uh, a wooden shack with holes in the roof and you know, buckets all over the place trying to stop whatever's happening happening, he, he looks at you and he says, yeah, I want this one. That's, that's the one I want. That's, that's the one I can see the potential there and I'm going to pour everything out into it. He's always drawing us up because he wants us to know him and know who we are in him. Yeah. So... Uh, so getting back to um, what started happening with me is uh, we were, it was August time, we were going through the summer and I'd been asking uh, big questions, just thinking about big questions like what is my purpose, <laughs> all that stuff, what is the call of God on my life, what do I carry that is of him and what, what you know, what am I here for? Um, and I kind of, I, you know, you get the... Um, general words, you get the, the I know I'm loved by God and I'm his son and I'm his, and all of that stuff, right, that we talk about a lot, um, but it, it wasn't personal to me yet, um, and so I, I kind of just decided around the, the birth of Maya that um, I was happy where I was, I was quite happy doing the family thing, um, putting my all into that as much as I can, serving the worship teams, um, and, and just getting involved in the things I was already in and just ticking along. I had a word from Ivan 
it was going to be a few year, at least three years of training and things like this. Um, and so I was quite happy about that because that sounds like very much I can sit in the background. <laughs> no, not worried. Yeah, and then someone asks you to speak and then that doesn't work. Um, but I thought that was, that was where God was leading me for this time. And then uh, at the end of Kingdom Life School in September, we, uh, there was a meeting at Phil and Heather's house with Judith Green, one of the Alaskan prophets that come over brilliant people that we absolutely love um, and she gave me a, a word which was um, which was a good word can I say that now before I start it was a really good word and I really like the word now <laughs> but right then uh, I was uh, I just wasn't ready to hear that from God it was uh, it, I had settled on what I was going to do and then it felt like as she was saying it, I was thinking, I don't, I don't want any of what you're saying. I don't. I know it sounds like sound like a right Christian diva. Oh, he's getting a word. He doesn't like it, you know. But <laughs> it, it, it wasn't that because I love the prophet. I love people giving me words. But it was just like I don't. Uh, my my mind is not here. My spirit is not here. I don't want. I don't really want anything to do with that. And uh, I was quite quiet while she was giving it and I was like you know not alone I didn't say false prophet let's take her outside and stone her but I was I was really not not having it <laughs> because it didn't fit in with the circumstances I was in um, and I real and looking back now I realized that I had kind of stopped dreaming a little bit and let circumstances um, get on top of me I was looking for God to speak in just into the circumstance I was in I was just looking for the information from him and not his heart for me and letting him build me up in the identity that I, I needed to have. Um, and he wanted, to, you know, he wanted to break patterns of thinking and, uh, and behavior and, and all of that stuff through it. Um, and so as I've been kind of pondering a lot of this um, and, and realizing this more and more, I began to realize uh, the immaturity in my relationship with God, um, in that, uh, on my side, can I just say, his side is perfect. <laughs> um, just things like, um, if I stepped out on something, and it didn't happen the way I thought it would, or it didn't go as well as I thought it would, I wouldn't admit to myself that I was disappointed. Like, I wouldn't, admit that I was dis almost disappointed with God because I was like well why are you I thought I heard you and you were leading me here and now you've you've let me down um, and I like I knew things like you know don't, don't go to you know the classic marriage one is you know don't go into bed with unsettled business if there is something that needs to be done and, and sort it out do it and get it done before you sleep on it because it can linger around and I and I, it's like I knew that for my marriage but I don't know that with my relationship with God and if I feel disappointed by him I need to sort that out that's not that's not okay I need to begin to hear his heart you know and you and ultimately this disappointment just leads to disconnection from him because you've disappointed me, I'm going to protect what me, and you've let me down, so I'm going to step away from you because this is this feels safe. And now I begin to um, 
fill it with other stuff, you know. I would watch a lot of football. I do that anyway. But uh, more football and stuff like that. Or, you know, there's nothing wrong with football. There's nothing wrong with box sets. There's nothing wrong with all of that stuff. But if it fills something, if it's, it's fulfilling a, a, a need I have uh, that God needs to fulfill, then it's not a right thing, is it? And slowly I kind of developed a... Um, a, a thought pattern that was uh, I, I'm not going to step out and so how do I put this um, that I couldn't step out and that it doesn't matter what I think because I just need to hear um, his word for now because that's all that matters okay and it's right, God's word, we're not, I'm not saying that we need to um, walk away from him and stop listening to him. But if, if all I do is take the information from him and go and do the thing, and that's my relationship with him, then actually that's, a, that's being a servant. All right? A servant um, uh, is someone who, who comes to the master and just gets the task and then I'll just go and do that. And there's no relationship and there's no, there's no identity with it. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what his heart is for anything. I, I slip into that. Get it, do it. Get it, do it. Get it, do it. And there's only so long that God will do that, I think, until he wants to draw you in. And it sounds like a very noble thing, being a servant, because we're here to serve the world and we're here to serve uh, each other and the church and everyone around us to bring them up to our level. Um, <clears throat> But it stops us, it, it, it fixes us at a level of, of where we're going to grow. Do you know what I mean? So, um, in order to protect my heart from disappointment and disconnection, right, because I want to stay connected because that's what Jesus brought for me, um, I'd only do something and step out when I absolutely knew it was God saying it. And the only way I absolutely know God is saying something is normally whatever I've experienced before. All I absolutely know is what I've experienced before. I don't know what's happening out here. And so you begin to uh, get in this little vicious cycle of um, uh, uh, I'm not going to step out. Oh, what's God saying? What's God saying? Uh, oh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to carry on doing what I was doing. And, I, and that stops my relationship with God right there. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's something that says to the world... Um, that he loves us, but he doesn't trust us with his heart, if that's the way I live. And I don't think that is love. I don't think you can have love without trust. Because <clears throat> he does. He trusts us with his heart. He trusts us with this earth. He's trusted us to, to do all of this. So um, that's the... That's the rare bit. We're just going to turn to a different part of the Bible, if that's all right. So we're going to go to John 15. And so as I was kind of realising all of this, it's like, okay, so what's the answer? <laughs> uh, in John 15, 15, it says, I no longer call you slaves. I didn't call myself a slave, I call myself a servant because slave sounds really harsh. And I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. 
And I began to realize that he wants to realign um, my thinking. He wants to realign our thinking so that we're not just desperate for the information, um, but we begin to recognize his heart that comes with it. It's not, it's not just enough to take that information and go and do it. He wants, a, he wants a relationship. He doesn't want a servant. He wants a friend. He wants someone who he can talk to. You know, Moses. <laughs> people like that. Abraham, a friend of God. Those people called a friend of God. He wants to know us. Uh, and he wants to know our thoughts and, and what we think of things. Because he loves us. And that's what he created us for. Relationship and communion. He wants to reveal his nature to us. So we, uh, we live from his nature in us as naturally as we breathe. And he wants, uh, yeah. Has anyone ever had a decision that you've, uh, you've thought, oh, this is a, me and Jenna going through a big one at the moment of whether Jen returns to work or whether she takes like a break um, because of just uh, kids and stuff like that and family stuff. Um, and you you do a few sums with that kind of thing. You kind of work out, ah, is this gonna? Is this gonna? I reckon we can probably do this. And then you ask God, and uh, <laughs> and there's nothing. Just the tumbleweed going across in my mind as this happens. But I think that's a uh, it's a reason that He does that. Um, one because He's not scared of any mistakes that we make. He's not scared of our bad attitudes or sin. Uh, but two, he wants to see where our heart is, and he doesn't want to make decisions for us. He doesn't, you know, he just doesn't want to be the boss. He doesn't want to be the boss, and I'm the employee, and I just do what you say because that's that's our relationship. He wants to help us make the best decisions we can out of the nature of him living in us. Mm. So, uh, so I was. I was I went to Toronto, the Toronto School of Ministry, um, oh a long time ago, T- ten years, ten years ago, something like that, 2006, 2007, I think. And uh, I got asked, I got asked back to help um, on the school afterwards to help lead a small group. Um, and when you when you come in as a leader, they have a great. Uh, Weekends away, where you have a lot of fun, and you're meant to be seeking God, but basically you're just having fun and seeing what God says. It's just it's brilliant, anyway. And uh, <coughs> we were seeking God just to t- just to say that. If anyone from Toronto hears this, John and Carolina, if you ever hear this, we do seek God. But uh, you would get at the beginning of the school, you get a kind of rough calendar of what was going on, conferences, who's coming to speak, who's coming to do what, when. Uh, and I got this thing and. Uh, something immediately jumped out. They were going to have a um, a conference called Show Me Your Glory. Okay. And so immediately I picked up on that because I was like, well, here we go. This is, I want the glory. Um, and so fast forward a few months. It was in February. I got that May, t- uh, May time. It's May today. Um, uh, the conference comes around and I'm... I'm pretty excited. I've got stuff to do in around the conference, but uh, I'm really excited that this is going to happen. And so we get into the Friday night meeting, and that's really good. And stuff starts happening, nothing that I haven't seen before. And then it goes to the Saturday meeting, 
morning meeting and that, yeah that's pretty good and then I think I missed the Saturday afternoon because I was doing something and then Saturday night so this is the last night of the conference and I was really beginning to get quite frustrated by this point um, because I hadn't seen anything that I hadn't already seen and if you're going to if you're going to call a conference show me your glory then I'd better start seeing something I haven't already seen because that's what I'm here for right and so uh, we were in the worship, and I was I was worshiping, but this this thing was kind of really bugging me in my mind, and all of me was getting a little bit agitated. And so, in the middle of the worship, the worship leader says, "Oh, just begin to cry out to the Lord." And uh, as worship leaders do, and and just all of this frustration and stuff just came out and I just started at the top of my lungs come Lord, come Lord come, and that's all I said and after about the third time, my eyes were closed my hands were up, after about the third time I, I kind of half opened my eyes and the whole band was looking at me, everyone at the front was looking at me and so at, at this point I had a choice of I back off right, or I'm having this. <laughs> so so I, I took the latter and I thought, I'm having this. I've already started, so they already think I'm a bit crazy. The crazy long-edged shouting guy. Oh, he's going again. And so I just carry on a couple more times. Come, Lord. Come, Lord. Come. <clears throat> and suddenly I find myself, I'm in this, it's just like a blank... Um, I don't know what, what it was. It's like almost like a blank wall, but it wasn't a wall. It had more depth, and it was, and it was white, and it was golden, and it was. I don't know. It's very hard to describe. It kind of shimmered, but it didn't. And anyway, so, and then I turn. I don't know if I did this physically or what, but I turned, and I saw Jesus, and I saw his face, and it was in his hands. And he was, he was weeping. And his words were this. Where are the desperate ones? Where are the desperate ones? And uh, as I was in, in this moment, I put my hand up and I said, I'll be a desperate one. And for so long, oh, I'll be honest with you, after you, something like that happens you don't really know what to think or what to do with yourself. I remember I went out of the meeting, I went back to my room, but I couldn't be there, and I went back into the meeting. I don't really know. It kind of shaped you right from top to bottom just because of what's happened. And so for, for however long it is, nine years now, I've never really got the message behind what the encounter was about because an encounter is never just to wow me. An encounter is always to reveal something of him and something of me. And this is it, I think. The fact that we are called to be friends of God and that we're called not to just look for the breakthrough in a, the situation I am currently in, but I'm looking for the eternal to break through, the, the eternal to break through in me so that not only does the situation change around me, but now I carry that with me to every other situation. 
and we shouldn't it's not that we we don't cry out for the situation we're in but we cry out that I don't know how it happens, but the breakthrough lands in me and is birthed in me, and then I take it out. Otherwise, all that happens is I go from one situation to another situation, trying to get God to fix something, where it's like, just come and do it in me, send revival and start with me, and let me take it somewhere else, that he would trust us with, um, with his heart and what he wants to do. That we will be a people who go after the, that one thing. I think that is it. That we will go after that one thing to be impacted by God. We can only lead people where we've already been. If I don't know where I'm going, I'm going to confuse people and it's going to get messy. But if I know where I'm going and I've been there, I can take people with me. That we would uh, show people how to live as... Uh, to, to, to live all or nothing because everyone everyone in the world has to hedge their bets is my family going to break up what is the financial crisis doing what's happening with the terrorism what's happening with the political situation and it's like they we go around worrying and not that that doesn't affect us but we know that we can put everything we have into this one thing which is Jesus that he is Lord and that he is over us and people are I think people are very interested in our gifts, but they're more interested in what we're doing with our lives. They don't want a temporary breakthrough. They want, they want to see us having ongoing breakthrough in my life, having ongoing breakthrough because I am in this, I am in this place. Uh, so, <clears throat> as a, I was like, well, Lord, yeah, you have to show me something then in the word where uh, there is someone who fully knows their identity and fully knows your identity and we can see what the outcome of that is. So we're going to do that now. We're going to go to 1 Samuel mm -hmm. 17. Every 14-year-old Christian boy's favourite story, David and Goliath. I bet he didn't have to go to bed at 8 o'clock or 8.30. <laughs> anyway, so we'll start at... Uh, <laughs> uh, verse 17. One day Jesse said to David, Take this basket of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brother's and give these ten cuts of cheese to their captain. See how your brothers are getting along, and bring back a report on how they are doing. David's brothers were with Saul and the Israelite army at the Valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. So I think the first thing to realise here is, God didn't send David to defeat Goliath. Excuse me. <coughs> he, just, he was just doing what his dad asked him to do. So he just turned up at the place, and suddenly... Uh, and then he begins to see. Uh, soon the Israel let's go down to 21. Soon the Israelite and Philistine forces stood facing each other, army against army. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. 
the king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give, to, he will give that man one of his daughters for a wife, and the man's entire family will be except, exempt from paying taxes. Let's get breakthroughs like that. David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. Yes, that is the reward for killing him. So God's, I mean, God doesn't really mind if you get rich in the process, I don't think. That's, that's just like an extra blessing, isn't it? I get to take this, this guy out and I get all of this as well. And I know who you, and you're my dad. <coughs> but, but when David, David's oldest brother, Eliab, heard David talking with the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to take care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. Just stop here. Um, his brother tried to stop, stop him taking the step out. And familiarity can stop breakthrough. Okay, I can look around and I can see Beth and I think, oh, I know Beth a bit. Yeah, she's made some bad decisions. Or I can see Leo and I can say, yeah, I've been to the pub with him. Nah, believe me, he's made some, you know. And that's all I see. That's all I, well, you know, I've seen him staggering right now. <laughs> that's not, it's not right. Um, but I, <laughs> I can let that colour my, art, colour my, um, uh, my like spiritual eyes to not be able to see God in the person. Okay, if I fully know my identity and I know who God is, then I will be able to pull the identity of that person to the fore and I'll be able to see them as God has created them, not as they are. So we just need to we need to honour one another and we need to forgive each other quickly and you know, let's just kind of not see the faults, although they might be there, and let's let's love them up to a higher place. Uh, let's go down. So we go down to. Uh, 31, then David's question was reported to King Saul and the king sent for him. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy and he's been a man of war since his youth. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and clever it to death. This is why this is why this is a favourite story of fourteen year old Christian boys who write this stuff right here. Uh, uh, I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. David already had a history of doing things like this. He had built that history up. You know, you, you look back over your personal history with God and you see these things, these milestones where God came through and God came through. Okay? And then suddenly, you might be where I got to and I no longer started stepping out and you kind of just start circling around this one place and the journey doesn't carry on. David already had a history with God so he knew and he knew who God was because it says in 37, the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear. Although he did it, he knew God was there with him, helping him. <coughs> and he knew God's identity in that way. Uh, so let's carry on. To 
So Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul gave David his own armour, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such a thing before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Okay, he did a good thing in that he <laughs> he took the counsel of others. You know, he, he took advice from Saul and he said, hey, you can't go out, you've never done this before. Why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Put this on. <clears throat> and, and that's good, right? That's not wrong. We're in community, we're in family with people who have already... Uh, beam places so that we can come and, and uh, kind of draft from their experience, draw from their experience. But God wants to do it with you. And so that might look different to how he's done it with someone else. Okay? He might say to someone, uh, I don't want you to watch, have a TV in your house. And he might say to someone else, it doesn't matter what you watch, go and watch all of Netflix for all I care. It doesn't matter. Right? Don't watch all the Netflix. I don't know how long that would take, but but you see, because I'm sitting there and I'm hearing someone's someone God said to them, "Oh, I don't have a TV in your house." Doesn't mean that that's exactly what He's speaking to me. That isn't the only way the breakthrough comes. Okay, there isn't a formula. It isn't. It's relationship, isn't it? That's why it's identity. That's why He's always speaking to identity. It's not just information, so I can get this done. Um, uh, we're going to skip over. He slams a rock in his head and then he 51 then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from its sheath David used it to cut to kill him and cut off his head okay <clears throat> when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead they turned and ran and the men of Israel and Judah gave a great shout of triumph, triumph and rushed after the Philistines chasing them as far as Gath and the gates of Ekron so David's victory completely got rid of all fear from the men, didn't it? Right? It was like, oh, we can do this now. I've seen this guy do it. We can, this is ours. But he didn't just do it for the men. It says in 54, and David took the Philistines' head to Jerusalem. He knew that there would be, you know, fathers, mothers, wives, children. They'd heard the reports about this great big man, and he, he ran to Jerusalem and said, Here is the testimony of what God has done. We have defeated it. Yeah. Okay? And this is what, this is, what I'm talking about, the breakthrough, that we get the breakthrough. And then, you know, when we do good news, it's not just to say, oh, well done, that was really good, I'm really glad about that, but that can be the breakthrough for you. Okay, we can come in and we can say, look at this, look what happened this week. Depression, bow the knee to Jesus. And that's something now that we have in this place. So now we can think, I've seen that healed already. And we go after it again with an expectation of, this is going to work and this is going to lift off you. And uh, so just to kind of, that's, that's the end of what I've got to say. But I'll just close with that. God has called you a friend and not a servant. He's called you into greater relationship. And hearing the voice of God is not all about the words that are spoken. It's not about, you know, he doesn't communicate. Have you ever tried to communicate via email with someone about a topic that's a bit emotional and it just doesn't go right because you just begin to read it through what you're feeling at the time. So it's all about his heart. Uh, the second is to start stepping out again if you haven't done it for a while or you're, uh, all this talk of stepping out of the boat and taking a risk is beginning to stir something in you, do it. But know that it's going to look different 
to how you, probably how you've done it before and how other people get it. And finally, just stay connected to him. If this disappointment comes, don't don't back away from it. Stay with him, like David in the Psalms. He starts off all the time. Uh, everyone is against me. What are you doing? Where are you? And he ends. But I will praise the Lord because he has stayed connected to him and he has found his heart in the situation, in the disappointment that's come. Here endeth the lesson.